Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. So good to have you with us once more. Can't believe we're up to point three on the framework that we've been discussing about the new way of looking at mental health and well-being in the workplace. And today we're very excited because it's a particular aspect of mental health and well-being that we're both really, really excited about is that right Sarah oh yeah and I I think in our in our first like overview I talked about how much I love the phrase that they've used for point three Mm. so the point of point three is it's all about (laughs) (laughs) work-life harmony so get your best voice on now because we're not allowed to talk about work-life balance that's so passe (laughs) <laughs> and people have tried work-life integration. It's like, but harmony. Work-life blend. <laughs> work-life blend. But harmony sounds good because when you yeah. harmonize, it means that things are working together in a satisfactory way. So I think harmony is, is a really good term. So I'm very excited about this. So what yes. is this all about, Sarah? So I think it's kind of what you said, you know, this idea of, I think when people were talking about work-life balance, it was like a seesaw for me. You were only ever in balance on one side. (laughs) Um, And then blend is a bit kind of like, you know, goopy. And, um, but it is exactly as you described, how can your work and your outside external life work in harmony with each other? how can they work together? How can there not be conflict or dissonance, right? But how can they support and make each other more beautiful as as your music um, <laughs> reference refers to? So it's, you know, they describe it as on the framework as the ability to integrate work and non-work demands for all workers. And I think that's just, that's quite a nice, a nice way to put it. Um, yes. And uh like before it centers on two human needs which again I love you know this kind of what are the needs that are driving people to have this um and so do you want to share the needs Jenny which which sit with this one oh yes the the two human needs in this particular space are autonomy Mm. which is where you have an understanding of how much control you have over a particular situation and how you do your work and the Mm -hmm. second is flexibility oh I do oh. love flexibility because I'm sure we have to do gymnastics at work well I'm, I'm, I'm taking up more yoga because I've been a bit more stiff. yoga there we go <laughs> um but the flexibility piece is about recognizing that you know you're, you're able to do your or recognizing where you do your best work and how and where you can be sort of self-determined so the two go hand in hand beautifully yeah. But I think what's important here is recognizing that this is all about 
seeing ourselves as human. And while work is such an important and integral part of our lives, it's one component. So it's by harmonizing all our roles and responsibilities Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we undertake in our lives along with those in our workspace that enable us to bring the best to everything we do. And And I think what's really interesting is that all this all of research supports that if if you can produce a working environment that makes you mm. feel supported and good and you have the autonomy and the flexibility that's desirable so you thrive at work that has a <laughs> flow on effect so you thrive more in your rest of your life and vice Absolutely. versa when you're thriving yeah. in the rest of your life that you bring that to work with you as well so it's it's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing so it's it just is. about knowing what it's all about and how to get better at it. Well, and I think that's that's such a beautiful side and you know I agree with you, but I think it's also important to call out the flip side of that, which is when I go to work, if I've got sick children or I'm worried about my, you know, something in my personal life, I might not be showing up at work as my best self. Mm. But if I have to hide that and pretend Mm. everything is fine and everything's wonderful and it's great, and I spend eight hours suppressing this emotions that I'm having that might not be good. I am not showing up as my best self at work. And then I'm probably not going to show up as my best self when I get home because I'm not going to feel disappointed in myself. I'm not going to like it. And so the work-life harmony for me also means being able to show up for work on your worst days as well as your best days, right? And it becomes this beautiful kind of symbiotic piece where Um, You know, and we know that emotions are like a pressure cooker, right? If we don't let ourselves experience them, that's where you get the, they kind of go inside and they shake up like a, you know, like one of those volcanoes you made when you were a kid, right? With (laughs) vinegar and baking soda or whatever it is you used. Um, uh, But when we just allow ourselves to come to work and say, I'm having a really hard time right now. Um, I'm having a challenge or my kids are sick or I didn't sleep all night or whatever it happens to be, or I'm just feeling a bit blah today. Um, then, then you start to create a place where your work and your life are in harmony. Cause then guess what? Probably your work colleagues are going to check on you. They're going to give you the social support you need. Um, they might be able to help you with your workload. You know, the number of people who have come to work, um, and I think women, this is just an exa- one example, you know, um, many, many women have had to come to work having suffered a miscarriage because it's not yeah. considered anything that that is comes under medical anything. So, mm. you know, you've had to go to work. And I say that as someone who thankfully had a workplace where I could come to work and they knew. And so I was allowed to take whatever time I needed. Yeah. Um, and that's just one small example of the things that happen in our lives outside work that obviously yes. we can't just yes. come to work and put on our happy pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't you keep your happy pants in a little cupboard in your office at work? I wish I did. I wish I did. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I went on a tangent there, but I think that's equally, if not more important for us to be thinking about this work-life harmony. Like you said, yeah. it ebbs yep. and flows, it comes and goes, it's positive and it's negative, and I love it. Um, yes. yeah. So providing more autonomy over work, that's the, the kind of first component they have. Mm. Talk about 
how important autonomy is. Autonomy is terribly important to to health and well-being, full stop, because Mm. when you've got it, everything's pretty okay because Mm -hmm. you have got that degree of control over what's happening and and the choices that you make or choose not to make. Mm -hmm. It's when you have a lack of autonomy that we can get into real difficulty because Mm -hmm. we know that a lack of autonomy can um, increase our risk of mental health disorders like anxiety or depression and you know, when you've got a lot of stress going on, obviously that puts you at more risk of stress-related issues too, yeah. as well yep. as deregulating or making it harder to manage your emotional state. Um, when, when you've had those choices taken away from you and you're not involved in having a voice or having a say in what things are being planned, um, it's it. It damages your ability to sort of maintain perspective. Wow. And I did not realize it was that oh, yeah. deep. Oh, wow. It's very deep. <laughs> Autonomy matters. <laughs> I mean, I know it's so deep, but like, but like it's like all of the physical manifestations, that's incredible. Yes. Yeah. So so we, it's, it's very important at an individual level and it's mm-hmm. really important at an organizational level as well. Mm, so mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. thriving workplace, um, the leader and the managers will be seeking ways to ensure that everybody has a perception of autonomy because that's the key. I you don't even need to have much. <laughs> it is, but if you've that, got that, that liver, thing, isn't it? It's the perception yeah. of it, which is wonderful. Because... Because it's, it's actually it's it's down to the very core of our survival, and we know this from the studies done. And I think I've talk, we've talked about this before in one of our previous sessions, where the time when we lose autonomy very quickly is at the time when we are aging, and mm. other people have deemed that you're no longer capable of looking after yourself. You've got to yes. go into a home and, well, oh, I don't want to do that. But well, you've got to. Yeah. It's good for you. You're not safe good to leave for you. Home. It's yes. good for you. So somebody else is making the decisions. Your autonomy is being removed. Mm. And all of a sudden you're in this new environment mm. where you mm-hmm. no longer have a say what time you get up or what, you know, you can choose which clothes you wish to wear. But, you know, <laughs> all those little routines that you normally would undertake for yourself or, have some control over have been removed mm-hmm. and replaced mm-hmm. by the new routine which you have to adhere to and that yeah. loss of autonomy boils down to a shortened lifespan i think you said and just giving them the ability to choose what time they went for their meals had a huge yes. impact right yes yeah exactly yeah. right exactly yeah. right so and it's so a small a little bit you of get a small measure of control a little bit of yes. choice a little bit of yeah. i mean in the workplace, I'm I'm a huge <clears throat> I'm a I'm a huge supporter of giving as much as possible. Um, but it's so interesting that distinction, isn't it, of perceived control. Um, and if you bring this back to the workplace, and we know that burnout is is part of that, then the yeah. number the second cause of burnout in the workplace is lack of perceived control. 
So it's huge, huge, right? And all of the all of the conversations we've had around burnout. So autonomy being massively, massively important. Um, It is is a double edged sword, because if a leader believes that it's really important to provide their staff with as much autonomy as possible, that's mm. great if the employee feels like they've got the clarity and understanding and the support they need in order to do their job well. If mm-hmm. they're a little bit uncertain, mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to do their very best, but they really feel like they haven't been given any any of the boundaries or the recognized pointers as to what is truly expected, actually, mm-hmm you're making, you're adding to people's stress. So you have to be, it's oh my not, gosh, absolutely. You enough autonomy, not too much, because then you've basically abrogated your responsibility as a leader <laughs> to take care of your employees, not too little. I wonder if, um, if regular listeners will know what I'm about to say. I hope you do. Um, you know, it's what Henry, our great friend, Henry Stewart always says, it's freedom within clear guidelines. You know, exactly what you're describing is the lack of clarity um, is a huge, huge problem. And it puts people into fight, flight or freeze. Right. And then leaders think they're not doing a good job. Why are they doing the thing? And people are going, I don't know what they want from me. And it's just it all boils down to this lack of clarity. I love that. So the second bit that they talk about in work life harmony is which again i think we've had a, an episode an episode or two on this is making schedules as flexible and predictable as possible yes uh, some of this is a little bit about clarity as well just draw it is. absolutely <laughs> now, if you don't know when you're going to be called in for work or you don't know when you might be finished or you don't know when you might be starting or you don't know um how much money you're going to make huge stress huge stress on workers um not harmonious at all not harmonious with your life how can you make plans with your family how can you make plans uh, for yourself how can you take care of yourself if you're waiting around for the phone call to come in and then it doesn't come in and you've missed out you know going shopping going to the gym going for a walk doing whatever it is so and this is this is particularly difficult in uh, a workplace environment where so many people are now casuals Yes, they don't absolutely the obvious um, start finish times or even mm-hmm, how many mm-hmm. how many hours they're going to get in any particular week. So they're always at the beck and call of their 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 boss who absolutely. is going to determine how much time they will be spending at work, and of course that determines how much money they'll be earning, which will determine how much money they've got to pay their bills and their rent and buy food. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. So massive, massive stress. And the other Huge. area where uh, I see flexibility as being particularly important is in all those industries where rosters play a massive role. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. When, when I was working in the hospital environment, we were always on a roster. Yeah. So you knew whether you were going to do a day shift or a night shift or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's other, other industries too. I know... You know, in the police, for example, here in Australia, yeah. they they have, or certainly here in West Australia, the the timeline that they're given looking forward is often just a few weeks. How how can you yeah. plan your life around a fortnight? 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or a week or however long you've got. Um, it's it's one thing to know that you've got um, vacation time owing to you. Yeah. But on, on a weekly basis, we need to know too when we are expected to work because otherwise we've got this niggling stress. Um, you, you, you can't say yes to that social invitation or yeah. a plan a weekend away because you don't know if you're going to be working or not. And you know how mm-hmm. stressful it's going to be if you if you try to do a swap and then everybody's running around trying to help out. And mm-hmm. ah, if there was this sort of consistency in flexibility as well yeah. about how rosters are set up, then it lets everybody know where they stand. And then mm-hmm. if you need to do a little bit of jiggly, jiggly pokery to fit around people's needs, yeah. then, then it can happen much more easily. Yeah. yeah. So that if you've got a child that's sick or you need to take time off to take a relative to a medical mm-hmm. appointment or something like that, mm-hmm. it can mm-hmm. be done without yeah. worrying, am I going to get that phone call saying, we need you in at six o'clock tomorrow yeah. morning? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting you say that, like, because I think you there are some organizations who are drawing autonomy and, and this flexibility of schedules together. So allowing people to, you know, you set a schedule, you obviously need to have a set number of people at work, right? But um, you then allow the people who do the work to make the decision on what comes in. And if you read the book Maverick by um, Ricardo Semler, he talks about it actually working on a production line, right? So everyone understood what needed to be done. And so then they worked So they set their own schedules. Um, I think places like Zappos, who have huge call centers, uh, again, have something set up like this where um, the less desirable shifts, you get paid more for them. So, you know, depending on, you know, if maybe you needed to pick up a little bit more money or maybe it's someone's birthday Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, So it's interesting that I think you could, again, create those guidelines of, right, well, we need to have so many people working and the alternative is also that, and then you get to decide how that works so that the work gets yeah. done. Yeah. And I think that's a nice way to do it. And I think where where it works really well, example, an example of a, a roster that has to be made is where every employee <laughs> is also given the autonomy to add their voice to mm. what their needs are. So if you can start with yeah. everybody's needs... And yeah, then absolutely. work it out between yourselves. And that mm-hmm. works well. And it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because everyone, you, you tend to think that everyone is the same as you, right? Everyone likes to, you know, everyone's an early bird. I'm an early bird. So everyone must be an early bird. Oh my God, I can't, I can't imagine working late at night. That would be horrible. But you'll probably find that whilst you are an early bird, someone else is a night owl. And yes. so... If you work with um, that person and you figure out that, well, can we just always swap our morning shifts for your night shifts? Yes. Amazing. Um, Or, you know, there's tons of stories where when you start to allow people to share their needs and what they like doing at work and what they don't. I hate doing this job. Really? That's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because I think you um, you were talking about job crafting, which I think is something that can work in this flexibility um, space as well and you discovered a fantastic a fantastic professor right mm, mm. so that yeah, I was sharing earlier with you that um there's this lady called 
um, Sharon Parker. She's a professor mm-hmm. who works at the Future of Work Institute here in Perth. And she's all job. about <laughs> great job design and job crafting, oh, nice. which is fabulous. And she's come up with this smart acronym, nothing to do with goal setting. thank goodness um so her her smart is about looking at ways that um provide more meaning um and are stimulating to people and that that is the s in smart providing people with work that they find stimulating and interesting Uh, maybe some people like a little challenge you know they want to be Mm -hmm a little way and yep. and we know from from the studies that one reason that many people quit a job is because they're bored mm-hmm. they're not stretched they're not being utilized they're not getting, being given opportunities to grow mm-hmm. so being given, uh stimulating work is fantastic mm-hmm. for for boosting um somebody's ability to to do their work and do it well and if that's going to lead to greater Work-life harmony. Yeah. The M, what do you think M stands for? I hope it's not measurable. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No. Measurable. Okay. So I'm designing my work. Um, I think I know. I think I know. But you tell me, Jenny. It's mastery. Okay. Yeah, that's what yes. I was thinking. Yes. Yeah. So, and it leads on from the stimulating work. If you're doing something yeah. that you find really interesting and you're fully engaged, you're going to get better at it because you're just honing your skills more and more. And of course, when you get um, gain greater mastery, you also gain greater meaning in what you mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. and that's going to mm-hmm. make you feel good about absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and the mastery incorporates receiving positive feedback. Um, mm. So and, important. So important to mastery, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, re- yeah. and recognition. Yeah. You know, when somebody yeah. says, hey, Sarah, you're doing really well in this particular space. I love what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and it, and I, feel, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> now, the A is exactly what we've been talking about. It's Well, she calls it agency, but it's okay. another word for autonomy. autonomy Having the autonomy, isn't it? Yeah. Be yeah. involved in the decisions that yeah. affect us. The R, something else that's very dear to our hearts. I was going to say, well, we've talked a lot about results. So is this relationships, perhaps, or something yes. like relationships? Hey. It could be relationships, <laughs> yes. <laughs> As we have talked about many times, it's it's the quality of our relationships that we have with other people in the yeah, workplace, okay. whether they're our colleagues, our clients, our boss, whoever, yeah. as well as the other relationships we have at home that make all the difference. Because when you feel you've got a bit of support and mm-hmm. you've got that sense of encouragement from other people in your team, hey. Oh, that is where the magic happens. We we build momentum. And the T is an interesting one. I think she probably had it. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing here. but She may have had a little <laughs> bit of trouble trying to make the T fit. Tolerable demands. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think that's actually a really good thing to be aiming for because I think in, in some instances what people have been led to have to deal with is that intolerable demands have been placed yeah. on them for, for too long 
And that's what's yeah. leading to so much burnout and exhaustion and overwhelm and all this other stuff. Yeah. But I think it also has an important, again, when we talked about like balance, but there's an important other side to that, which is you are working for an organization. And I think some of the reaction that I'm seeing and hearing to the world of work as it is now is people going, well, I just want to come to work and do what I want to do. And it's, mm. it's not quite that side and it's not quite you do everything I tell you to do. But yeah. I think tolerable demands is a nice way to to frame that so that, you know, the workplace will ask you for things. It will ask things of you. And yeah. that's perfectly acceptable. So I, I quite like that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's got some depth to it. <laughs> Indeed. So you're meeting the expectations of the organization because you're yeah. there to do a job. Yeah, um, but it's you're not being killed in the process. I think that's, that's exactly the measure yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you have a it, you know those are you can just I think you can design what is a tolerable demand in this area. So that's that's good. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like the smart acronym. I think that's, that's yeah. Very, um, so say them again, Jenny. Stimulating. Stimulating mastery. Yep. Mastery. Agency agency relational relational love that one and tolerable demands tolerable demand. we're not going to yeah. forget that one in a hurry <laughs> no no i like it it's good that's really good really good yeah. um yeah. so i guess the next bit on the um on the framework where they're talking about work like harmony is something we had an interesting discussion on because obviously i'm based in, in europe and you're based in australia and this is from the us but it's talking about increased access to paid leave um, and now we in Europe, I believe, have a much better, having lived and worked in both countries <laughs> or both sides of the Atlantic. Um, I, yeah, I- increase access to paid leave, especially for uh, people in the U.S., I think would be critical. Um, yes. The maternity benefits being the one that for me is called out. Um, as not being sorry let, let me not say maternity parental leave as one that I find challenging and actually I think in many countries possibly Scandinavia is getting it really really well done I think 35 percent of those in the bottom of all civilian workers were not I may have got that read that wrong but they they don't have access to paid sick leave in the U.S. Um, and so it this also disproportionately affects um, Black and Hispanic workers in the U.S. Yeah. Um, because of of yeah. the the way that that is working. So I think it has a huge impact. One, like think about COVID. If you don't have sick pay, what are you going to do? You're going to go to work. What's going to happen? You're going to spread it. That's true of yeah. any communicable yeah. disease, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was guilty of it myself, probably up until the pandemic of taking sick days. You know, I grew up with the, well, you don't take sick days. It's all very, you know, kind of brave through it and, and whatnot. Um, but I think, Jenny, you were talking as well about people who don't take even take their holiday. No, they that's take, right. Even though they or have they're, paid or they're not allowed to take their holiday. Or they're not allowed to take their holiday. Yep. I think, I think. One of the issues, particularly maybe in the in the northern hemisphere in America, mm. has been cultural expectation that yeah. people just yeah. have got very limited access to paid leave anyway. 
mm-hmm. and don't shake it. They just yeah. carry on working. Yeah. Uh, you won't catch nearly so many Australians doing that. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have that problem really there very much. <laughs> although, <laughs> although it is recognised that up to 55% of people don't take their leave when it's due. And some very interesting statistics mm. came out just before Christmas where it was found that in knowledge workers, while the managers were conscious that their staff were at risk of burning out if they didn't take their leave because over here in Australia, you know, people take at least two weeks off over mm-hmm, Christmas mm-hmm. year. Some yep. people take a bit more. Um, and they were encouraging their staff to take that leave properly. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, they were also saying, but we may expect you to be available so you can't have it both ways. Sorry. Because you can't work. shut off. You no. can't shut off, can you? can't shut off. Mm-hmm. And and we know that it takes people a couple of days to de- mm-hmm. disconnect work anyway. So if you've yeah. always got that thought, well, I better keep my phone on, I better have my laptop with me, even though we're going camping, because mm-hmm. I may have to be yeah. available yeah. for some mega emergency, which, of course, is not a mega emergency. but you know, yeah. and that that contributes to ongoing stress. So it's interesting how there's this dichotomy of understanding. Yeah. yeah. On one hand, you've got the 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 manager saying, "Well, yes, we're worried about you. You do. You're so tired. You really do need to take that time off." But we're also fully strapped, and we're not really sure that you can take all that time off. So just in yeah. case. Yeah. 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 Well, and that actually goes back to that. Kind of predictable schedules, doesn't it? So it that does. even your even it if you does. do have access to paid yes. leave, yes, is it really? You know, if you're expected to be on, you're expected to mm-hmm. be on, right? Yeah. Um, and this this ties in perfectly to the last one, which is respecting boundaries between work and non-work time. Yes, um, yes. and that that goes for holidays, I think, and for working hours. Where I'm, you know, yeah. what you were describing, you have yeah. to be on. Yeah, you have to have your phone on. You have to be doing this on call twenty four hours a day. I would guess, and please give me your beautiful medical opinion, that that low level of stress for an indefinite amount of time must be really bad for you. It's really harmful. Really harmful. Yeah. I mean, we know that it's it's bad for our health per se, in terms of sort of cardiovascular risk and mood disorders. But it what's what's worse is that it lowers your performance and your productivity and your creativity. So all those things that you're normally really good at, you're yeah. suddenly becoming really rubbish at because you're just exhausted. And we need mm. need time off. It's not a it's not a luxury. It's a necessity yeah. because we're human. Yeah. We need to restore and refresh and re-energize. And we can only mm-hmm. do that by separating ourselves from that workplace yeah. environment for a sufficient length of time and it really upsets me when I hear of people who are you know at that point where they are just about fully burned out and Mm -hmm. they've applied for leave they're entitled to the leave and they're told sorry you can't take that leave yeah yeah I I find that morally wrong yeah yeah Um, it's really challenging isn't it but it's really challenging because what do you do Um, 
Yeah. And also as an organization, how do you create a, you know, if your work, if you're a supermarket, say, or you're a 24 yeah. seven operation or you're yeah. a doctor surgery you've got, or you've got a business to run, you've got a business to run and you already have two people on holiday and one person off sick. Um, and I think for me, some of this is, again, we are not, we don't staff adequately already, but even if you have staffed adequately, which I haven't seen an organization who has done for a long time, but maybe there is one. <laughs> but if you're staffed adequately, um, you will have some buffer, maybe 20, 30%. So you can handle some people yes. on holiday. Yes. But then if you have some people on holiday and some people off sick and something else happens or someone's on maternity, whatever it is, right? Someone's, someone yep. else is off there is a point where you do need to be able to say, okay, how can we make this work for both of us? And how do we, yeah, how do we do exactly this? Right. Um, and I, I don't know the answer to it, but I know as someone who has occasionally, I've tried very hard never to, but it has occasionally had to turn down someone's leave because. Yeah. And it's not, it's not something that you do, nice. enjoy, is it? It's something no, that you, no. oh, this is awful, especially when you can mm. see that they need to take that leave. Yeah. But yeah. It's trying to find that little bit of compromise. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Some of the other things that have been happening here, and maybe it's, it's a sort of roll on effect from COVID. You know, we've had the great resignation and the quiet quitting where people aren't being given the time off that they desperately need. They're walking out the door without a new job to go to. Wow. And and before you mm. would you would rarely hear of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wouldn't happen. Most people, if they if they're preparing to jump, they're they're preparing over a period of time and they're looking at to where to go to next so they can sort of carry mm. on. But when you've reached that point where you're so low and you just can't function properly anymore, but you've been denied that time off, some people are saying, I'm done. I've gone. Yep. I just need to complete out in order yep. to find my feet yep. again and restore my energy and work out what I am going to do next. And that's that can be a huge financial burden. Yeah, it's huge. And I think to your point, though, about being unable to disconnect, is when you get to the point where you've never been able to disconnect or you're not allowed to, or you always have to keep your phone on or you always have to be available. Mm. That's quite a reasonable step to get to for an individual. Um, it doesn't feel reasonable because financially okay. that is scary, but I can absolutely understand getting to that point and that being where you get to. And that being mm -hmm. what you have to do, because mm -hmm. disconnecting from knowledge work is I, I feel like it's hard enough. Anyway, I find it quite difficult to do. <laughs> so <laughs> if you then when you tr are trying to are then dragged back. in, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. I think it's it's about the, the self-awareness piece that we, we've talked mm. about before. You need to know where mm. you are and what you're at and what what your desires are. And it's always about great communication because yeah. unless you can communicate what those needs and desires are with, with your team, with your leader, mm -hmm. or whoever, it's very difficult for other people to know where, where you're coming from. So we, it's really important that we've got great communication so that other people can help you because I love being, that. being such a sort of cooperative society or group, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we usually fall over ourselves trying to help other people especially yeah. 
struggling, but we need to know first what's going on. And that goes back to your point right at the beginning, where if you come in with that sort of professional face, that facade, trying to hide that, you know, there's lots of stuff going on in the background and, you know, we're humans, so we've always got stuff going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not helping ourselves or anybody else. So that's probably my my no. thing. No, I think that great communication is so clear. Um, yeah, I love that. So my like kind of practical tips to leave it with is uh, one that I love. So this is so for providing autonomy, you know, how, like how do you, okay, how do I give people more autonomy? I know that's a question I hear people say all the time. So where can you step out of the decision-making process? So what do you need to do and what do you not need to do? Uh, and I really recommend the book Turn the Ship Around by um, David Marquet, but he has a really great kind of uh, three-step, make a list of all the things you don't have to do. You may want to, you may think you do them better and all sorts of things, but do you as an individual need to do them? Um, where could you remove yourself from the situation? Okay, so how do you then step out of it? Because if you're there and you're the type of person we're talking about, probably a personality type, <laughs> uh, how can you, you know, you got to get out of the way. Otherwise, people will either turn to you or they'll ask your opinion or you'll just decide anyway. Um, not that I would ever do that. <laughs> and uh, and then what's your non-negotiable? So what are the things you have to do in your, you know, what what's the stuff that you feel really strongly about? Um, for making schedules flexible, I talked a little bit about this, you know, creating clarity about what needs to be done. So are you clear about what your organization does and what their jobs are? And then let the people who do the work make the decisions about the how and the when. Um, and that's, it sounds really simple. It goes from simple to complex and then it gets really simple again. So I would, I would, when you get to the complex part of that, keep going because simple's on the other side of it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, increasing access to paid leave. I think my tip on that was really like, if at any point you can increase access to paid leave, it's going to benefit you in the long run. Maybe not the short term, but in the long run, it's going to create a much better organization for you. Um, and the, the one about respecting boundaries between work and non-work time, this is my favorite one. I say it all the time. Timed email sends. As someone who sometimes needs to write an email or write a note, because otherwise it'll be gone, you don't need to send it. All email platforms have the timed send. So you can write an email when you need to, and then you can send it at some point during the following day because people do what you do, not what you say. So if you say <laughs> we don't communicate after email after hours or on holidays, and then you send emails when you're on holiday or you send emails after hours, there's an expectation, whether you say it or not, that they do it too. It's just like putting on your seatbelt. If your kids see you put on your seatbelt, they'll put on their seatbelts. If they don't see you put on their seatbelts, they won't put on their seatbelts. <laughs> so those are my like top top four things that I did when I was researching for this beautiful um, beautiful yeah yeah but we'd love so to hear what what are you guys doing how do you create more autonomy and flexibility in your workplace maybe you're using smart workplace design or job crafting um yeah we'd love to hear what your future of work looks like it's such an interesting time that we're, we're living in right now because we're moving into this new future of work and it's already here, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's such an opportunity to to really yeah. think things through and to, we're not going to get it all right first time, but I think we're moving yeah. towards 
um, a thriving workplace culture. And that's completely, I totally agree. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. We will see you next time on Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. See you then. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.